Hallelujah. I think we got the lyrics this morning. I'm not sure we've got the spirit of what we're singing about yet. And I sure need you to get that because what I'm going to preach to you isn't going to mean anything if you don't connect in the Holy Ghost to what God's trying to do in this place today. Would you just take a moment, reach over and take somebody by the hand and say, God, help us to bring into captivity every thought, every distraction. Let us push it out of our mind. And for the next little while, Lord, let us give ourselves undividedly to you. In the name of Jesus, we need you right now. We need you this morning. We're not here to play church. We're not here just to waste time. We're here with eternity weighing on us. We're here with the end pressing in upon us. Lord, somehow awaken us to the opportunity that we have in this place today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing how busy we get. We bring all of that with us when we come into the house of the Lord and we fail to push all of that to the side and just enter into his presence. I don't know if you're aware of this, but all your problems that you're worried about right now, they're going to be there when you get out of church. But if you'll get connected to the Lord during this service, when you walk out of here, if the problem hasn't been solved, at least you're going to be in a better frame of mind to deal with it. Oh, yes. You're going to have a power and an anointing on your life. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Well, it is summertime, and that's obvious, the heat and all, but there's something else that comes with the summer season that worries me, and that is this disconnection because we have so many things to do that we get sidetracked. I'm not griping this morning. I'm just saying that in all that you do, don't forget that you still need Him. Every day, every hour, every moment of every day, you're going to need Him. Amen. If you have your Bibles for a few moments this morning, go with me to the book of Ephesians, the third chapter. I have perhaps one of the most difficult tasks I've had in a long time. I've never been so intimidated by the Word as I am this morning. I mean that sincerely. Because every time I go to it and try to grasp what the Lord is saying, I it's like trying to gather the ocean in my hands. I may hold a little bit of it for a moment, but too much of it gets away from me. And so I reach and I pick it back up and I try to get another handful of it and I hold it for a moment. And it has been that way with this portion of Scripture. I 
I'm not afraid to preach from it, but I am not qualified to preach from it because I have not really fully grasped all that God has presented here. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 16, verse number 14. Let's begin there. Paul said, For this cause, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What cause? What, what, what's the reason for this humility and this sense of awe that has swept over Paul as he has written to these Ephesian believers? Verse 16 said that we could, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. That God would grant you, that he would smile upon you, and that he would strengthen you with might in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in you. I love the word dwell. It's so foreign to our culture. We don't stay anywhere very long anymore. We're always on the move. But the Holy Ghost, the love of God, the Spirit of the Lord likes to dwell in places. It likes to come and just reside and sit and brood and hover. Man, some of us are already trying to figure out where we're going to go eat. And the Holy Ghost has been trying to brood over us this morning. Amen. I wish some of us would come on in and let him, because we need him to breathe on us today. We need him to hover over us. Amen. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. And to know, and to know, to fellowship, to have a relationship with, To know, same word that's used in reference to a man knowing a woman in an intimate way. To know the love of God. (laughs) To know the love of Christ that passeth all knowledge and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. My subject is very simple this morning. What God wants all of us to understand. Amen. Say that with me. What God wants us to understand. You may be seated. I think you would agree with me this morning that love is a wonderful thing. I would hate to live in a
you're giving me the thumbs up. All right, I'm back on. I don't know what's going on today, but we've had devils in the airway. I can tell you that much. Evidently, the devil knew where I was going to preach from this morning, so he doesn't want you to hear it. Amen. Say it with me. Love is a wonderful thing. Somebody said it's what makes the world go round. It's what gives meaning to life. And human love is one thing that all of us can identify with. And all of us have known at some point. Maybe you don't feel a lot of it right now, but I think all of us would agree that at some point in our life, we have all felt that love factor in our life. But divine love is an altogether different story. It is evident from this passage that Paul was under a great spiritual strain, responsibility. There was a weight upon him. The reason that I know it is because when I read the words that Paul used and I study the context of those words, I I decipher that there was an intensity and there was in his in his communication with this church at Ephesus, a deep sense of passion and urgency. There was something that he was trying to get through to them, convey to them. Have you ever wanted to get a message through to somebody and it was like they weren't getting it? What do you normally do? You raise the volume. You grab them by the chin if it's your child. You tell them, look me in the eye, because you're not hearing what I'm saying. And I would love to do that this morning. I wish I could grab all of you by the chin and and say, hey, listen to me for a little while this morning. Not just me, but listen to the Holy Ghost, because God has something he wants to say to all of us. Paul felt that strong need to convey something to the believers, something of the love of God. And this task of conveying that message was beyond his ability, it seemed, because he was grasping for words and greater words. And one, one, uh, one, one, uh, adverb would come and then that wasn't adequate and he would reach for another and another trying to define and put some kind of human parameter around this thing called the love of God. It is evident in his word that he was urgent and he gathers word upon word, but still it's not enough. He uses mathematical terms. He tries to think in the terms of science and 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 he tries to look into the realm of physics and and all of the other things that have made up our world and tried to pull in from those realms some kind of understanding of what he was trying to relate to these people and he talks about the love of god in a in a four dimensional aspect and four dimensions is considered the the cube or perfect square. It was 
The dimensional aspect of the new Jerusalem that John saw in Revelation. And so it must speak of something important. It, if God designed our future home in, in a four square measure, if he defined it in those terms, then there must be something about those dimensions that are important for us to understand and grasp. And it speaks in truth to its perfection and its wholeness and its completeness. It conveys the idea of vastness or immensity or an incalculability. The the inability to factor everything in that is involved when we talk about the love of God. And he says it like this. That you and I might be able to comprehend that word comprehend. Say it with me. Comprehend. I cannot begin to emphasize how strongly the whole idea that Paul was trying to convey to them through his thoughts were. But that word is so valuable because it opens the door and the window to what he is about to say. What he's getting ready to tell them and share with them. He said this is the key to comprehend. It means to understand or to grasp or to lay hold of as to take one's own, to know, to realize. The idea is that you and I would have a correct view of this thing called the love of God, that we would get it. Amen. I wonder how many miracles could happen in this service today if we could just get it. Amen. If we could just get it, It, if if a light would come on and all of a sudden we realize that God is here for me, that God is here for us, that God is here to reveal something to us and to grasp the love of God, its permanence, its endlessness, its imperishability, its timelessness. All of that was in Paul's thinking that you might be able to discern, that you might be able to comprehend. Get, get a grip on it, to put your hands like I'm putting my hands on this pulpit and grasp it and hold it in your possession. He further oppresses his desire by saying that we might know the love of Christ, that we might know. Again, the word means that we might appreciate that we might value, that we might discern or be aware of or feel or learn to know or to learn how to know, to know Him, to know His love, to have come into a relationship that is so deep and intimate that there is a, there's, there's a, 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 a communication that goes on between the two parties and you begin to sense how secure, you begin to sense how powerful and how mighty God's love really is. And all of it concerning the love of God. Why was Paul so is Why? Why all of this effort? Why was Paul so belligerent in using the, 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 the terminology. Why was there such this urgency in his communication? Why was there since 
uh, of desperation in his efforts. Why? As I am trying to get your attention this morning and trying to get you to listen and pay attention and wake up and hear what the word of the Lord. He was doing that. It was like he was a flagman on the highway said, hey, wake up. You're driving down the highway and you're fully asleep and you don't even know it. You're experiencing something that's transformative. You're experiencing something that's life-changing. You're in the presence of something that can change your entire world if you just wake up and realize where you are and what's going on in your life. Hallelujah. I'm sorry if I'm too demonstrative for you, but I feel it in my spirit right now. Hallelujah. I don't want somebody to pat a cake for Jesus. I I don't need somebody to scratch my ears and tell me how good I am. I need somebody to expose the great mysteries of God. I need somebody to get this book and open it and say, You're not even living close to your potential. Come on, get up and get a little closer to God. Come on, let God do something mightily in your life today. Quit playing church. Quit playing with life. Amen. Get, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Amen. To lay hold of it. Make it my own. Why this urgency? Why? Why? For one reason, really, that we might experience its full effect. That's why. That I might be able to experience Everything that the love of God represents. That my mind might be able to reach in every dimension and pull to its aid whatever part of God's love that I need for my situation or something that I'm dealing with or whatever I need to come to understand about the mercies of God. That somehow I would be able to bring it close. And I could, I could experience that love. That I could feel that love. I, it's like it just engulfs you. It wraps you up. Not only that I could experience it, but that I could enjoy its blessings. You know, I'm convinced of this. That God must sometimes be very frustrated with me, Sister Kennedy. Because He has provided me with so much in my spiritual journey. And yet I have enjoyed so little of it because I've been so distracted. I've been so busy. I've been so this or that. I've been so worried. I've been so stressed. I've been so distressed. I've let my sins talk to me and tell me that I'm a loser and that I'm not worth anything. And I've let my problems and my failure suck me back into that dark hole that I've been trying to claw my way out of. And when I do not rejoice in Him and I do not experience Him, then I never can fully Everything that he has done for me. Amen. It was Brother Steve McDaniel that said, God's been talking to me today. And this is what he's been saying to me. 
Am I getting what I paid for out of your life? All of the agony, all the bleeding, all the tears, all the suffering, is it producing in you and me what it was designed to produce? To draw us close. To make us feel like we're important. That we matter. That our life is important to God. That there's no problem in our life that is insignificant to Him. Because His love tells us that. There's something about the love of God. It's dimensions that tell you that it's high. It's low. It's wide. It reaches. It does everything that's needed to help embrace me in my situation and say, listen, I did this for you. I came for you. I love you. I care, I care for you. I want to help you in your situation. Oh, oh love of God. How rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Oh, but I can enjoy, oh, last Sunday, I think it was last Sunday, we had all those crawfish. You ever, you ever been around anybody that really enjoys eating? Sister Sarah, we're, we're kindred spirits. So. I've sat down at the table with some people, and first it's annoying to me. It's like they take a bite and, hmm, hmm. You're trying to converse with them, they're going, hmm, hmm. They're enjoying It's not just coming in contact with it, looking at it, touching it. But it's gotten down in here. It's, it's become a part of them. They're, they're trying to savor it. That's the way I want to be when I come into the presence of the Lord. I want to go, People look at you and they think, Man, he's lost his mind. No, I haven't lost my mind. I've just found that there's something in this place more important than you or you or you or any of you. It's more important than me or anything else we've done. It's the love of God that encompasses me today that said, come on, I want to help you. I want to love you. I want to take you up. I want to pick you up. Woo, hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Mmm. 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 I wish I could hear that sound more often around this church. Mmm. What's going on? They're just enjoying the presence, the aroma of God's Spirit that's in this place. Hallelujah. Brother Hughes, I'm not used to church like this. Well, If you go back and read the book of Acts, you'll find out that this is how it all began. They were in the upper room. They were... mm, mm. They were thinking, rehearsing everything he had said. They were praying everything he had told them. Mm. Mm. 
And while they were enjoying themselves in that atmosphere, boom, the Holy Ghost fell. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Ah, yes. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish I could get some of you to come on in this morning. Come on, he prepared a table for you. You know, it used to aggravate my mother. She was a great cook. But my mother had a standing rule around her house. She didn't give invitations. If you were part of her family, you were expected to show up. Brother Wyndham, she didn't call and say, Now, Mark, I'm cooking today. I knew she was cooking. And because I was family, I was expected to be there. And there's nothing that frustrated my mother anymore than for her to spend all that time cooking all that good food and me come in in a hurry. Better not show up. It's better not to show up than to do that. Ah, oh, yes. Oh. It wasn't the food, per se. It was the relationship that she was pursuing. She wanted to talk to me. She wanted to talk to her kids. She wanted to talk to her grandkids. She wanted to find out what's going on in my life. What am I dealing with? What am I battling? What am I facing? The food was just the lure. It was the bait to get me there. It was pretty good bait. Some of you are going to help me out preach myself this morning. You know, all this singing, that, that's not what service is about. That's just, that's just the food God puts on the table to get us to come to the table. And all the other things that, that come into making church what it is, it's all so you and I could come in and talk to Him. More important, let Him talk to us. Let Him tell us, I saw you this week. I saw you. I saw those tears. Nobody else saw them. I heard you in the night when you didn't know what to do. I was there. I, I, I was there that morning when you got the bad news from the doctor. I was, I heard, I heard the phone call. I understand. And I just want you to know that my love is big enough to cover you. Height, depth, length, breadth. It doesn't matter what dimension. What it doesn't matter what direction you go. I'm there. Doesn't matter how low you go. You know what's amazing about the love of God? 
You can't go too low that you get under that. It will always be under you. I'm going to tell you what I believe the worst torment of hell is going to be. And this, if you don't believe this, it's all right. This is my, this is the revelation God gave me this week. And don't write it in stone. It's just Hughes. But I got to thinking about hell. People that go to hell. And there will be people that will occupy, according to scripture, there will be people that will go there. Not by his wishes but because of their own choices. I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe hell is going to be translucent. I believe that's going to be part of the torment of hell. Because it was for the rich man who died. He could see that other world. That other world couldn't see him, but he could see that other world. He could see everything he had missed. He saw everything he forfeited. But I'm going to tell you what I believe the greatest torment of hell will be to anybody that goes there. Is that when they look down to the bottom of hell, underneath hell is going to be this aura of love that can't even be comprehended. Because the word said, you make your bed in hell and I'm there. You can't get too far. You, you can't stoop too low. That his love is not reaching for you saying, come on, come on, come on back. You don't belong there. You can't do anything too gross or too vile that his love cannot reach out beyond that and chase you down and say, oh, come on back. I paid too much for you to go that way. You, 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 you can't run far enough away that God's hand is not going to be out in front of you. Come on back. Come on back. Brother Tony, that's what it was that night when you lay on that floor of that building over by the Astrodome and men had beaten him to death and had thought he was dead, clinging to a very fragment of life. He remembered the prayers of his mother. What was that? That was God's love in another dimension that was reaching into that low place and saying, come on, you're not going to die here. I paid too much for you. And that love begins pulling us back in his direction. That we could enjoy that. That's what God wants us to do. He wants me to enjoy what he paid for, what he poured himself out for, what he came all the way from glory for. Amen. This is not in my notes. None of this has been in my notes, so I'm just flying by the Holy Ghost right now. But I'm going to tell you, there are people in this building right now that think you're all alone and that your problem, nobody knows your problems, and nobody knows what you're struggling with. They don't know your failure. They don't know your mistakes. And you've let those failures and mistakes keep you tied in that dark place for far too long. And the love of God has been sent to us today to reach us wherever we are and say, Come on. I paid too much for you. Come on. I know you're hurting. Let me just put my arms around you. Let me just embrace you. Yeah. I know you're confused. 
I know you don't know what to do next. Come on. I know how to help you. That's all. That's all that he's wanted to do. He just pulled me close to him so I could go. Hmm. 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 Oh. Oh. I think I'm going to make it. I, 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 I'm going to make it. I'm not going to die in my sins. I, I'm not going to die in this dark place. This is not the end of my life. This is not how God designed my life to wind up. He's trying to pull some of you out of that hole that you're in right now. Saying, come on, that's not where you belong. I paid too much for you to be there. Come on. I paid too much for you to be depressed this morning. I I paid too much to free your mind and heal your emotions for you to be overwhelmed and stressed out of your mind about things. Come on. Let me love you this morning. Would you lift your hands to him right now? Oh. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 the Clatty come I'm I'm gonna I don't I haven't even gotten to what I thought I was gonna preach about this morning but God wants me to experience a constant flow of his love the great thing about the love of God is that it doesn't come and go. It doesn't just show up when I need Him. It's there when I don't need Him. It's there when I'm not even aware it's there. It doesn't... God God doesn't operate like us. We come to church, we got a problem. And we think in our human thinking that God's must be in heaven say, oh, 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 they're, they're in church this morning. I got to go. I got to be there. I got to help them. He was here before any of you ever thought about coming here. He was here before I thought about coming here. He had already prepared the atmosphere. He had already put the table out. He said, come on. Let me, let me pull you close to me. Let me tell you some things about my purpose for your life. Let me tell you something about your future. It's better than your past. Hallelujah. One of the most powerful things about the love of God is something that none of us ever consider, and that is it's constraining. 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 That that word is, is not often equated with the love of God. But Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth me. What does that mean? 
God knows that I'm flesh. He knows that I'm not always going to wake up talking in tongues and praying. God understands there's a part of me that's still flesh and carnal. So His love operates in my life to to stop me sometimes and say, hold on. Don't keep going that way. Don't, Don't keep acting like that. Don't keep talking like that. Don't don't be like that. It's the love of God that reaches out and gets its on and and says, ho, 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 come stop. Ho, ho, ho. Don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Don't don't do that to anybody else. Come on. I've got enough love for everybody. I've got enough strength to help everybody. Love of God. The length. The reach. The breadth. The vastness. The depth. Nothing too low that His love can't reach. I looked up the meaning of the word height ele- of the word height in the Greek and it means elevate. The whole purpose of the love of God coming into my life is to elevate my life. To put me on a higher plane. That's all some of you need is just to be elevated a little bit. You'll see that this isn't the end. This isn't the worst thing that could ever happen to you, that life's not going to come falling in around you because of what's happened. If you get high enough, you can see beyond all of that and you realize there's sunshine out there. There's a man by the name of Hezekiah Butterworth who watched one day a bird that evidently had been wounded in life. Being the poet that he was, the image began to play on his mind and he went home and he took pen and paper and he began to pen these words. I walked in the woodland meadows. Their sweet the rushes sang and found on a bed of mosses a bird with a broken wing. I healed its wing and each morning it sang its old sweet strain. But the bird with the broken pinion never soared as high again. I found a young life broken by sin's seductive art and touched. He lived. I took him to my heart. He lived with a nobler purpose. He struggled not in vain. But the life that sin had stricken never soared as high again. But the bird with the broken pinion 
kept another from the snare. The life that sin had stricken raised another from despair. Each loss has its own compensation. There's healing for each pain. But the bird with the broken pinion never soared as high again. The poem took wings, literally. Wasn't long until they had made it into a song. And in a prison setting, one day a man came and he sang that song. At the conclusion of it, a very sober inmate come to him and said, Sir, if what you have sung is true, there is no hope for me, nor for any man in this room. Peter Billhorn was so stirred by the statement of the prisoner that he went home again thinking about the poem and realized that it really did not convey the love of God. It conveyed the thought of man. So he took his pen and he wrote a final stanza to Henry Butterworth's poem. And this is what he said. But the soul that comes to Jesus is saved from every sin. And the heart that fully trusts Him shall a crown of glory win. Then come to the dear Redeemer. He'll cleanse your every stain. By the grace He freely gives you, you shall soar high again. You see, I don't know who Hezekiah Butterworth was, but evidently he had never experienced the love of God. Because the love of God is not content with just mending a broken wing, but never allowing me to soar as high again. The hand of the potter made it over again another vessel. Not a lesser vessel, but another vessel. And it fulfilled its highest purpose still because of the touch of the Master's hand. There's something so powerful about the love of God that can do things that I cannot even comprehend. But it can reach people in the darkness of their life and and draw them in like it's trying to draw some of you right now. It can reach you in your despair and say, ah, you can't go far enough that my grace and my love is not there. You may frustrate the grace of God, but you will never do away with the love of God. Amen. Stand with me.